Good evening from the press box above Faroe Field, where Missouri has just finished off a 34-12 win over South Carolina on homecoming. I'm Gabe DeArmond. This is your Yingling post-game live show. Pre-game today, I stopped by and saw my guy Mike Benning over in Lot P. He might have had a little bit of Yingling on hand. Um, I plead the fifth whether I checked any of it out or not. But I have had it before. It is a very good product. They sell it all over the place in Columbia, Missouri. If you're in town for homecoming, if you're anywhere else in the state, honestly, you can get Yingling anywhere. Highly recommend it. Mike has actually uh, said if you're going to Athens in two weeks, which I think a lot of people are going to want to do, if you know who he is and you see him, Yingling's on him. So you know what? That's a hell of a sponsor. So shout out to Yingling for uh, making this show possible and helping us out. Shout out to the Missouri football team for being 7-1 and one and getting us uh, more and more attention and viewers as we go along. We bring Gerard Hamilton in. Gerard, uh, I would start here. Missouri has basically played six of eight possible quarters in the last two weeks and has outscored two SEC teams 72-33. to 33. I, I feel like that's good enough for me. I mean, yeah, I most teams try to be this good playing four quarters. Um, last year, they need every every quarter, everything to go six and six. So to be seven and one heading into the bye week, I mean, that felt like what half a drink's presser was about. We just happy for the bye week. We just need to rest. Um, Eli Drinkwitz didn't even mention Georgia in this press conference. Wouldn't no. even answer a question about it. Yeah, this was easily like probably the shortest press conference of the year, at least post game, just because it was like half it was, you know, gave some praise. And then the other half was we just ready for the bye week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think part of that was, and I mean this as a compliment to Missouri, it was a boring game. Yeah. I mean, it, because it, that game was over at 24 nothing. Like, nobody knew for sure it was over at 24 nothing at the time because there's always weird things that can happen and all that. But in hindsight, that South Carolina team would have needed six or eight quarters to score 24 points on Missouri. And they weren't going to stop them enough. I mean, that game was over when Missouri, it, when Harrison Mevis kicked the field goal to make it 24 nothing. It was over then if it wasn't over before then. Felt like it was over before, but you're, you're a nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, first off, let's everybody the real attention that we need to pay. I said the score would be 34-24. It was 34-12. I'm 75% right, Gabe. I'm hitting these, I'm hitting these predictions. This is what you know what that you know to. what that means? It means Missouri's exactly as good as you thought they were, and South Carolina's only half as good as you thought they were. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I only care about one side of one side of that equation right now. So right. Missouri did their part. Do want to invite you guys. We've already got a lot of comments and questions, and, and we'll certainly go through those and, and get to them as the show goes on. Producer Alex Stedman is helping us out behind the scenes. He's going to put some of those up on the screen. We'll just kind of react uh, when we see something that, that needs reacting. But what's the bigger story here, Gerard? The fact that they raced to a 24-0 lead and ended the game at halftime, or the fact that the second half kind of – uh, what happened there? Because um, this is an say, easy answer for me. I would say it's about the defense, uh, just because I've had questions about the defense. There has been times where you just 
Don't know. Um, you don't like that they were kind of low, you know, low in the second half. But at the same time, we talked about this in the press box. It just feels like let's we've got the lead. Let's just kind of get everybody home safe and let's go to the bye week in some way. But I think it's more about the defense, you know, just playing that well because it's been a minute since I said all the defense won the game. Defeat defense was just terrorizing the other team. They didn't play half, you know, a half. They played four quarters. So it is the defense for me. It's the first SEC game in which Missouri has not allowed a touchdown since shutting out Vanderbilt in November of 2020. Uh, That was 41-0. Um, I I think the bigger story is clearly the first half. And uh, look, I'm going to, and I do this, I've already used this line in my column, which is 75% written, but I'm going to use it here. To paraphrase Brian Kelly, sometimes you got to show up in Columbia, Missouri and play like shit and walk out with a win. Missouri did not play badly for the entire game. They played about two and a half quarters on offense. But you know what? That was plenty good. And Eli Drinkwitz knew it was plenty good. The way his defense was playing, like, Gerada, I think I could have played defensive tackle and you could have played defensive end, and South Carolina still couldn't have blocked the other two guys that were were there with us. I mean, that team wasn't scoring 24 points, and Eli knew it. And so I think after a couple drives in the third quarter when he said, when he kind of saw his offense out of whack, Luther Burden had already been a little banged up. I think he just said, you know what? Let's just run the ball. Let's burn this clock. Let's get out of here with the win. If it only ends up 24-9, so be it. Like there are no style points don't matter. You've still dominated an SEC game. Remember, guys, this was a seven-point spread. There were a lot of people, myself included, who said all week long, hey, you overlooked this one, and South Carolina can come in here and beat you. We're talking about back-to-back SEC games that Missouri has flat-out dominated. Yeah, well, and and we talked about this also. So you were closer that this spread could be like, you know, South Carolina could cover it. I was more towards Missouri could actually run away with this game. Uh, Again, I was just doing my research throughout the week. felt like the same way I felt last week doing the research for Kentucky. I know, well, for Kentucky, it was like, it's a good team, but I was thinking every stat and stuff I'm researching, they're not that great to me they're just it's the competition of playing and drink was telling us all week well they're better you know south carolina is better than their record i was doing no, the not. stats and i'm saying no they're they're probably lucky to have two wins so i was thinking i almost picked this game to be you know uh, mizzou to win by 17 plus but i was just like you know maybe there's something like that uh that botch snap by luke bauer something like that that can lead to a touchdown to make the game closer i had one of those things in my mind to make it a 10 point prediction but Hey, can, I, I don't think this game would be close. Can I just point out that while you're over here pumping up your prediction for being 50% right, one of us did pick Missouri to win by 17-plus. That that would be me. Wait, hold on. I'm trying to think of your I prediction. Oh, I don't know why I was thinking he was picking it by seven. I'm tripping. So, all right, so we're both right. Uh, that's <laughs> that, is, that deserves a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, there you go. We got it. Okay, so me and you on the same page, Gabe. But um, yeah, yeah, I didn't think this game would be close, I mean, to be honest. Uh, so what I said, I said, uh, I don't know. I did a lot of podcast radio stuff this week, and at one point I said I thought in the Kentucky game we learned a little bit about Missouri, Missouri's maturity because they got down fourteen nothing, they didn't panic, right? They came back. I said I think this week we'll learn even more because look, even though it was a bye week coming up, like this was a spot that Missouri easily could have got caught peeking ahead. 
-hmm. And they didn't do it. I mean, they came out, and I think that first half was the best first half they've played all year. That, to me, is a credit to Eli Drinkwitz and his coaching staff for getting these guys to understand, don't come out here and dick around or you're going to be in trouble. I mean, they came out, and they put two really good quarters together. Yeah, this was – well, I would say – I can't remember exactly. I remember remember the South Dakota game. They also came out uh, on fire in that first half. Um, But, yeah, this was a a great game, and – I don't know. Good teams, he said it. Good teams find a way to win. And I asked Chuck Hicks this um, just a second ago. Is like, how does it feel to be able to win this game or win these games in a multitude of ways? We've seen uh, Brady Cook win games. We've seen game-winning field goals. We've seen the run game win games. We've seen the defense, you know, shut down opponents like today. And he basically said it's about, you know, being more together, brotherhood and all that stuff. And it sounds cliche, but the more I think about it just throughout these games, I mean, last year this would have been a game they could have slipped up in for sure. I've never thought that they would slip up in this game because something seems different about this team and their mindset week to week, game to game. They don't ever seem too high on their wins and on their low and loss, they weren't too low. It's by the time we talk to them, talk to them Tuesday, they're on to the next, whatever the situation may be. And you're I'm seeing that through these games, um, them kind of being a little bit more mature and being able to handle these situations. And Larry saying kind of like the fact Mizzou keeps winning but leaves a little bit desired. And look, guys, they haven't. I mean, every guy we talked to said, we said, how close have you been to playing your best game? They said, not even close. I mean, in their last two games, they've taken a full quarter, right? I mean, and and I do think it's worth saying. And, And we talked about this during the game. This is not a video game. Eli Drinkwood said earlier this week, I've seen maybe two or three complete games in my coaching career. Like you don't just come out and hit on all cylinders on both sides of the ball for 60 minutes. It just doesn't happen. But really good teams and really good seasons happen when you don't have to have your A game to win. Now, look, Missouri is going to need its A game in two weeks. There's no question. You're not winning in Athens, Georgia with a B minus game. We know that. But you can the fact that this team can beat Kentucky and can beat South Carolina and can do it by a combined 39 points with, I don't know, B efforts probably, I, that says something because those are the teams you're jockeying with for a position in the SEC East every year, right? Like most years you don't start saying, well, Missouri needs to be better than Georgia. No, most seasons you start and say, be better than Kentucky and South Carolina, you can have a pretty good year. Well, they are clearly far better than both those teams. Absolutely. And to me, two weeks' time, they're playing with house money on the road versus Georgia or against Georgia. Um, it feels similar to the LSU situation as far as like don't get blown out. I mean, as I've got to do my research on Georgia and see exactly what they do well with and maybe some of the few things they don't do well. I think it's a winnable game. I'm not saying they shouldn't. They'll try to get that. But that's a game most of us predict that they'll lose. Um, so I don't know. I think something else you just said about beating Kentucky and beating South Carolina. Beating Tennessee, I think, is one of those things that we were thinking, I don't know. But now it's looking like, yeah, maybe we should start looking at that a little bit differently and how we view that yeah. game. Uh, this team, to me, has now earned this. Um, Gary Pinkle always used to say that, you earn the privilege to play in big games by winning games. I mean, every game you win makes the next game bigger, right? This team is seven and one. Every single thing they want is within their control. They go win every game. 
they're going to be playing in Atlanta. They're going to win an SEC title. And odds are they'd be in the college football playoff. Now, there's a long way to go before that. But to me, and this is the gist of what I'm writing after this game. All you guys watching this, and appreciate all 300 of you that are on here with us. I know it's homecoming. I know a lot of people are out doing things and have plans, but appreciate those of you who who have uh, made the time to join us live. Every single one of you watching this has been waiting for this game, this season for nine years. Because I drove to the game today, and I texted my wife actually on the way because I was sitting in standstill traffic. I was going nowhere, so I could text. I said, now I remember why I used to leave the house three hours before games, because it took a little bit to get there. And it took a little bit to walk through the tailgates. And you walked in and you couldn't really see the rock in because people were sitting on it. Like this is the season you've been waiting for for nine years. So the next 13 days are going to be full of a whole bunch of people nationally going, hey, good for Missouri getting here. I mean, it's going to end, but hey, they should be proud of themselves for getting here. And if you're a Missouri fan, don't look at this as, hey, happy to be here. Nice to have the opportunity. No, now you're here. Go take your shot, man. I mean, everything you want out of a college football season is here for this team. If you are not going to jump on board this and enjoy the hell out of this and put, like, I don't want to see any, yeah, we're probably going to lose. We, we're going to get Missouri. Like, just pour your heart into this, man. If you're not going to do it now, I don't know when you'd ever do it. Yeah. I mean, well, that's why I said it, it's still house money though, because they give their all. They yeah. Like it's not going to wreck a season it, if you lose. It, yeah. Which is, which is the best, you know, opportunity to be in when you really don't have too much to lose. You go all in. The only way that'll be a bad day is if you combine what their first quarter last week, their second half. Oh, yeah. they, you would get one of those terrible games. Then you're kind of like, oh, okay. You've still got to clean up, you know, before you face the rest of your schedule. But yeah, it's it's house money. This is a game that everybody should be, you know, excited to see and see what they can do versus the the number one team. Yeah, I mean, this is the biggest game this program's played in nine years, and they've gotten to that because. They beat Kansas State in what was the biggest game of Eli's career. And then they beat Kentucky in what was the biggest game of Eli's career. And then they beat South Carolina in what was the biggest game of Eli's career. So uh, Javon brings up a point that, that we've seen a lot. Need more than two running or need more than one running back to carry the ball. I get it, guys. But Cody Schrader seems fine to me. Like they keep telling us every week he's hurt. He can handle tw- – like I asked him in the postgame, what's the most carries you ever had? And he said, I definitely carried the ball 50 times in high school. And he said, I did it 39 or 40 at Truman State. Like, I get it. But Cody Schrader averaged 6.1 yards a carry. He was – I mean, the second half, the, the game plan was basically just hand it to Cody, see how much he can get. I, I'm not really inclined to complain too much about the playing time. I mean, hey, if – if Cody Schrader just wears down and he's got nothing left for you in week 11 against Florida, then maybe you guys are all going to be right. But I just don't have that many complaints about it. They obviously think he's quite a bit better than the next guy. That and if he's doing all of this, supposedly, I'm not not supposedly like his quad is he had he is injured and hurt, but it's not hard enough for him to continue to play. He told us he was going through 12 hour treatments and, He's working really hard to be on the field, you know, come game day. Uh, so for him to come out on the field and he's balling like this, there shouldn't be any complaints. 
Then you get this bye week. So if he's been playing through this injury, playing well through the injury, now he has a bye week, you would think he'd be a little bit healthier coming off of that. So I think he should continue getting the ball if he's got the high hand like Drink has been saying. What's the point of kind of disrupting the flow? Drink did say they was trying to get uh, Roberts. Uh, Jamal, Jamal Roberts. Roberts. Uh, some looks, but it just didn't happen that way because Cody Schrader is averaging 6.1 a pop. I mean, what do you – why take him out the game? And I, I I appreciated – we saw the closest thing we're ever going to see to cocky Cody Schrader in the postgame. He said uh, he said that he treats every carry like he's got something to prove. And I tweeted out the quote. He said, he said, I do belong in the SEC, and I do belong as one of the best running backs in the country. And, and he's right. He's second in this league in rushing, man. Like – Season ends today. I don't know how they do all SEC teams, like how many running backs are on it. But if the season ends today, man, the only guy ahead of him is Ray Davis. Yeah, I haven't. I, I can't. I can't think of who else's like, stats or whatever. But Cody's Logan playing. Diggs is third in the league in rushing right now. Okay. Um. Yeah. Cody's playing. You know. Good. Rock, you know. Good ball running. The, playing good ball, and he's running the rock well. Um. I think. You know. Some of you who are saying let's see Jamal and other stuff. I don't know. It, it feels the same way as when Brady was balling out and people still were asking for Sam Horn. Like just get behind this guy. This yeah. guy, if he's if he's gonna be the one, you know, toting the rock and he's doing this well, did he really care if you know Pete doesn't get his six carries or if Roberts doesn't get three carries? I mean and here's the beauty of it. This opportunity is in all likelihood the pinnacle of Cody Schrader's football career, right? Like, I like Cody. He's not an NFL back, probably, right? So, you know what? He's going to say, if you hand the ball to me every single play, I'm good with it. How many carries do I need? Just 350 carries? Awesome. I'll do it. 400 carries? Like, there's no saving carries. This is the the last year he's playing at, at this level. And if they think he's the guy, hey, I, I am, I am not inclined to question a whole lot that a seven and one coaching staff is doing, because very, very few people thought that this team was going to be seven and one and probably in the top fifteen at this point in the year. All right, I mean, no, not too much to that. Somebody says, to be fair, Brady wasn't balling out when we were asking to see if Sam Horn does cap. Brady, that first half versus South Dakota, Brady dominated his his half. Wasn't the greatest MTSU game, but the more I think about MTSU, I just I can't even remember that game too much besides you know last few drives. I just think you want to talk about boring games. That was a boring game. It was a decoy game. Missouri was just like we can win with whatever stuff we was doing last year. So I don't really hold that game against no one really because it seemed like we'll just do enough. But since then, Brady. Brady's definitely earned the job and has been balling out. Yeah. I want to talk about my two favorite plays of the game. The first one, I'm convinced that Luther Burden did not see the ball on his 46-yard touchdown pass until it was about three feet away from his hands. Insane. He's insane. Yeah, he was running in the sun. Then he, when he catches the ball, he's right before, like, it gets into the shadows. I don't know how he caught it double cover like that, but – um. It, I don't know. It's crazy. He's one. He's one of those. He's one of those guys. Yeah, and then the second one, uh, and part of it is because of the reaction we got about it when we asked him. 
But my second favorite play is when I don't even know who I think it was Johnny Walker hit Spencer Rattler. Yes, when the, the ball from <laughs> like I need somebody, I need sports science to do a breakdown on how the ball pops up 20 feet in the air and it's a fumble. How that was how his arm was not going forward and was, you know, and was it wasn't a, a, a pass. But anyway, ball pops up about 20 feet in the air. And Christian Williams is just standing there, man. And you know he's thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to get an interception. I'm going to run. We're going to get a fat guy touchdown. I'm going to be on all the shows. And then some South Carolina offensive lineman comes in and just knocks him and knocks the ball away. Ended up being somehow a fumble that South Carolina actually recovered and gained five yards. But, like, I wasn't even halfway through the question, and Christian Williams was laughing about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know it's a good game when that's something you can talk about. Like, usually right. sometimes that may be a thing where you're like, dang, that's a missed opportunity. But in this game, it's just like, dang, it would have been right. cool. Kind of like, hey, remember when the punter dropped a snap? That was kind of weird. Yeah, uh, that wasn't that wasn't great. But I don't know. <laughs> um, something I want to talk about is just kind of some of the supplementary pieces these guys got going, just having themselves today. Mookie Cooper – but he had six for 57. He led everybody in receiving. Um, and and real quick about Mookie, he is damn good after the catch, man. Yeah, 29 yards a yak. But, yeah, it just seems like – what did Drink say? Every time he catches the ball, he ends up like five yards, at least five yards, you know, down the field or whatever. Um, heck of a day by him. The Oase had two for 40. Schrader had two for 11. Um, again, this was mostly a Cody Schrader game, but also the offensive line. Brady Cook has got sacked once in the last two games. This was the best run blocking easily of the season. Like one penalty, one offensive line, one penalty. one penalty, and it wasn't on Cameron Johnson. It was on Connor Tolleson, though. <laughs> We've talked about the snap infraction things for a minute, but one penalty for that line and just the way they were creating these big old holes for Schrader. I mean they can get that consistent play uh, in pass blocking and run blocking, I mean, they could have a lot more points on the board, I feel like. Jerron, can we raise some NIL money for Shane Beamer to get an offensive line? Because, man, that was yeah. – oof. Brady Cook, he said – he Brady Cook said he feels bad for, yeah. for Spencer Rattler because he's getting run over – over and over. There was one time where I think Missouri committed a penalty or something and Charleston got a sack. Yeah. And it's just like, and it was like, it's for nothing, but it's like that still adds up as far as him just getting hit over and over and over again. Well, and I said to you, like, South Carolina gets the ball back with two minutes left. Shane Beamer should have pulled Spencer Rapper, man. That dude, he got beat up today. Give the guy two and a half minutes off. Uh, I don't know. When he started calling the timeouts, it was even worse. Just he wants to keep it going, but I guess not go home with three timeouts, I guess. But Yeah. Hey, Alex, can we put uh, Hefe Casey's question up there about Luther uh, being hurt? Um, it was – there you go. Um, so this is something that I think is worth talking about. So Hefe is asking, why does Luther Burden look hurt all the time? So I think there's two things here. First of all, the dude takes some hits, man. Like, he doesn't give up on a play. He takes some hits. Second of all, and I said this to somebody else in the press box who's seen as much Missouri football as I have, and there aren't a lot of them at this point. But uh, 
I said, I think he's got a little Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin, he did the he did the thing, he did the Jim Brown, I think it was, that like he would just drag himself off the turf and he would go back to the huddle real slow. And there you go, Bradley saying, and, and and you would think after every play, well, man, I don't know. J Mac might be done for the day. And then he'd go line up and he'd run 60 yards past somebody. Like Jeremy, just, I don't know if he liked the drama or if he was trying to make the defense think he was hurt or what it was, but I think Luther's got a little of that. I think Luther's got a little of, all right, I'm going to play this up for a minute. Now, now the shoulder, I, I believe the shoulder was hurt. That, 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 that I, I think is a real thing. Uh, but, but I also think he's just a guy that, that gets up slowly. And I, I think that's a little bit of what he does. Yeah, the drink said something as far as just like they've been going 12 weeks straight when you add fall camp. So it's a, some of these hits, they, they're different than the hit he took like the first game, I think it was, versus South Dakota, where he took like like a head-to-head, a helmet-to-helmet uh, type hit, and he kind of just bounced up instantly. Yeah, it's good. Week eight, some of those add up and hurt a little bit more. He did land awkwardly, it looked like, on the replay of that shoulder. So you're, I'm interested to see – what the damage is to that. He ran to that injury tent looking a lot like Brady Cook looked running to half. That's exactly what I thought State last year. Yeah. Like I, my first thought was they're gonna get him in that tent and they're gonna have to pop that shoulder back into place. And honestly, maybe they did. I don't know. So I, I know a dislocated shoulder a lot of times like it's just gonna happen. You play with it, but it's it's gonna happen. You might need to fix it in the offseason. Somebody in our game chat had speculated uh that it might be a broken collarbone. Obviously, it wasn't very good news. Like, and, and I just think that brings up it goes back to Eli's main point. He said, guys, we've been going since July 30th almost every day. We've played eight weeks in a row. We need some time off. And and so I would imagine they probably don't come back to practice till about Wednesday. That don't even sound like enough. <laughs> well, um, it, it, but but then I think also what they will do is like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they'll do some game planning stuff. But I think they'll also give the scout team guys and the younger guys a lot of like, I don't think Brady Cook and Luther Burden and Cody Schrader are taking a rep till Friday or Saturday. Yeah, there you go. That, that sounds a little bit better. Yeah, uh, but but it does come. I mean, look. I always laugh at is the bye week at a good time. Well, it is when it is. You don't have a choice. And everybody says, yeah, it's at a great time. But it's at a pretty good time for this team. I, I think they could use a few days to, to heal up before Georgia. Not only that, I mean, it's just perfect for game planning. I mean, this is a perfect chance to want to add some wrinkles in offensively, defensively, whatever you want to do. And you're going to need your full energy. You're going to need as much help as you can because Georgia's usually got the biggest kids in the the country so it definitely works out it probably works out better because they're seven and one going into this game so you got confidence and like you can tell some of these nagging injuries some of these guys are going through they know they're doing something special so who wants to miss a game or miss any chances to play in the midst of this you know going seven and one um a lot of adrenaline going on so i was looking at this um missouri came into this this week ranked 20th um, number 16, Duke is playing Florida State. They're currently ahead, but 16 could lose. Uh, 14 is playing 18, Utah and USC. One of those teams is losing. Um, 17 already lost in Tennessee. 
I've got Missouri moving up to about 17 this week. Um, and then let's take a look at what happens next week when they're off. There's SEC. not not a lot uh, that involve teams in front of them that they could lose. But bottom line, I think Missouri's got a pretty good chance to go into Athens, Georgia as a top 15 team. Missouri will be three and one in the league going into that. Georgia, probably five and oh. Yeah. I mean, they, they got Florida next week. You never know, but I would think they win that game. Uh, but look, you, you beat Georgia, you've got the tiebreaker. I, I mean, this is at the risk of like spending the next 13 days just talking about that game. I mean, like I said, it's the biggest game they played in nine years. Yeah. Um, that's crazy because then it'll then win or lose, it'll be Tennessee, the biggest game they play. Because at this point, where where do they fall? Where do they fall in this pecking order? You know, and you've got Florida still involved. Which I need to watch some Florida stuff just because I'm wondering. Like I just seen it say they were what five and two. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I never knew their record, but them being five and two, I don't know something's fishy about it. They probably oh. won a game or two. I didn't expect. Well, they beat Tennessee. There's they beat Tennessee, one. and then I think it's worth noting they had to come back from 10 down to beat this South Carolina team last week. I don't think Florida's that great, but, I mean, they won the games and they beat. So, maybe I thought they were going to go 5-7. and seven. Maybe they were 6-6, six 7-5 six, team. but Still could, I guess. Yeah, like you said earlier, Mizzou, everything that they want to accomplish is right in front of them pretty, pretty much. Yeah, um, so what do you guys think of the chance of Georgia? I love this team. I'm thinking 15% chance. Um, I don't know percentage-wise. Like, let's let's say this. Georgia has to be off, right? Like, that was the beauty of last week, the beauty of this week, the beauty of Florida and Arkansas and maybe even Tennessee is your opponent can play well, and if you play well, it's not going to matter. If Georgia plays well, Missouri's not going to be. I mean, Missouri has to play well, and Georgia's got to be a little bit off. And that's not an insult to Missouri, because I'd say that about anybody in the country. Ohio State could play Georgia, and they need Georgia to be a little bit off. That's just that's just a fact. Um, if Georgia comes out like they did against Kentucky with something to prove, Missouri might be in a little trouble. Cole is asking if I will be there. We did a little rudimentary research about uh, – about the cost of getting me there. I would say at this point, it is likely I will attend that game. Um, you know, and, and we'll do the the post-game show live from Sanford Stadium and all that. Um, but but we'll see. I'll make that decision. We we're talking about game time. I think that's going to be a 2.30 CBS game because I think they're going to put Alabama LSU at night. Please do. Please do. Put it at yeah. 11. Give us a morning game. Give the people who wake up early something they deserve. Well, well, I guess we, we're Eastern, but we're we're gonna have like an hour drive to get there. I'm fine with two thirty. No, Gabe, we just gotta move up just a little bit early to get there, and we're good. FA says seven p.m. CBS. I just, no way, please. No. I, I just don't. I, I just don't see it unless Alabama. Here's what I actually think they'll do. I think they might use the the six day window, um, and and not give us a game time until next Saturday night or Sunday just to make sure Alabama and LSU and see what Georgia does next week. But look, guys, the brand names of Georgia LSU, like that game is going to get more eyeballs at seven o'clock than Missouri, Georgia. It just is. I, I think LSU Bama is the, is the primetime game. 
and then uh, CBS two thirty is Missouri. Um, that would that would be my guess. Somebody's asking if ESPN gets a choice and could play it at six. No, they're they're not going to play those two games close to the same time because those are basically the division championship games at this point in each division. They're going to split those up so people can watch both of them. They don't want one at six and one at seven. That's a TV nightmare. Georgia hasn't played well all year, but once maybe they aren't as good. Uh, they're not as good it's as they've awesome. been. They're not as good as they've been in previous years compared to their other iterations of themselves. This team is still beating everybody. Uh, you know, they, they're still going to win those games. I think back to the question when somebody said the percentage, you know, they said 15%, probably lean 30%. I go 15 to 20. I can get to 30. The only thing is, though, we've talked about in the last couple weeks playing complimentary football, and, like, today they got in the backfield a lot and actually capitalized with sacks, tackles for loss. The the offensive line played well. We're going to kind of need a combination of everything that's went well this year and that one game. So they can't have a half where they're not really doing nothing on offense. They can't have too many personal foul penalties or the safeties getting – Beat over the top. It's got to really be a hundred percent that one day. Brock Bowers is out for that game, and we're going to have all kinds of time to talk about Georgia. But I'll just say this, Gerard. What's the conclusion we come to about the Kansas City Chiefs about the middle of the third quarter in every single game? They just don't care till it's the playoffs. They're just, they're just kind of, they're just kind of going about their business and doing just enough to win every week. That's what Georgia's done this year. They've just kind of done what they needed to do. They've done enough. Yeah, I do think playing the, you know, the East Division teams, especially when they see an up and rising Missouri team like this, I have a feeling they'll probably be up for it. Then when you add in last year, um, just because like Missouri wins this game, they control the division. So I don't know. It's going to be an exciting game, though. I, I'm I'm ready for it. I mean, this is – look, this is the game. It's the reason every kid came to this school. It's the reason every fan drives four hours and sits in the stands. It's frankly – it's the reason we do what we do. You don't do this to cover South Dakota Missouri. You don't do this to cover a, a, a game against Arkansas that the winner gets to 6-6 six and six and plays the Gasparilla Bowl. You do this for games like two weeks from now. To, to be able to walk into a place and go, this is one of the three or four places that everybody in the country has their attention, and I get paid to be here and watch this. Like that, That's why we're here, man. And like I, 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 have, I, I will absolutely tell you guys, as much as you're enjoying this, we're enjoying this too. Like this is a lot, this season's a lot of fun, man. This is, this has reminded me what it was like at this place 10, 12, 14 years ago, and it hadn't been that way for a long time. I'm glad I could kind of sort of figure out my uh, winter break, my winter plans, just a little bit knowing like, all right, we leaning towards more so towards New Year's is where I'm I'm off the grid. No one can really hang with me. It's the way they're trending. So, I mean, that's that's cool. But now this, this is a fun season. It makes all the work that we, yep. you know, that we do throughout the week that much better because i mean i like the work regardless but when they're winning there's excitement around it you're seeing the the stadium like 
how packed the little Rockham thing was, mm -hmm. I've never, I feel like that's the most packed I've, I felt like I've seen people on top of each other. It was that crowded. It's, it was a cool atmosphere for sure. Yeah. Uh, we're getting comments about a Duke pick six. I just wanted to say that when I told Gerard that Duke would make that game close, I was laughed at, and Duke is currently ahead 17-7. I just well, game. My predictions only matter for this team right here. <laughs> so anything I'm saying <laughs> about another team, it's just me talking. I, I didn't do the research on those teams. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. So, uh, guys, appreciate, um, again, 350 of you hanging out here with us. Again, I know it's homecoming. Uh, it's, it's a weekend where a lot of people have a lot of things. A lot of people probably started at the parade at 9 a.m. this morning. So appreciate all you guys making the time to hang out with us and talk about this one for a little bit. Um, I know I'm certainly appreciative that I think this is the first time this year I wrote most of my column in the third quarter. And I think that's that's my favorite type of game. Man. Yeah, must be nice. I'm doing a little bit of some little stuff throughout the game and then I got to kind of wait for the press conferences. So it's still going to be a little bit for me, but – I'm happy that uh, I got an idea of what I can write. That's that's yeah. the plus for me. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, as as you get a little older, here's what happens: you don't wait to hear what they say before you write. You write you write what you want to write, and then you just ask questions to get them to say what you want that fits in there. No, I, I understand that part, and I try to do that, but trying to write the quick thoughts per but quarter. But you got stuff going on. You got more during on the game than than me just sitting around here you know, dicking around in the press box. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's all good. I mean, so I'm just so glad this game ain't starting at this time right now. That's that's yeah. what I'm happy about. Amen. 7.40. It's in the books. 34-12, Missouri. Tigers are 7-1. and one. Um, Appreciate all you guys hanging out with us. Before you head out, drop us a like. Subscribe to the channel. You'll know when we go live. Schedules are going to be a little bit different this upcoming week. Um because we're going to try to give Gerard a little bit of time off during the bye week. We're going to have a special live show that starts, I'm guessing, about 3.55 from St. Louis University High School on Wednesday. I think you all want to be able to tune in for that one. So uh, check that out. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate Alex operating everything behind the scenes and hanging out with us here on Homecoming. Alex, we got you done early enough. You're going to be able to go out and enjoy yourself. Uh, I imagine Columbia is rather festive tonight. One more shout out to our guys at Yingling. Uh, I got a text from Mike. He said to tell the live chat what's up. He wanted to reiterate that Yingling is on him in Athens, Georgia in two weeks. I don't know if that goes for all 350 of you, but if you see Mike, he might uh, he might have something for you. So thanks, guys. Missouri, 7-1, headed to the bye week. Plenty of stuff to come on the site. Talk to you next time.